Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. All right, so we have um, been studying from the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke. And again, as we've seen quickly that Luke has, that Luke wrote specifically in order that he might give an orderly account of the, of the testimony that the apostles and others had been giving about this Messiah who was to come. Again, remember, Luke is a Gentile physician. Okay, so this is important from our perspective because he's only heard the testimony from Paul. Okay, he joins Paul at Troas. So this is a huge um, thing. And so he's decided with all these things that are being stated out there that someone needs to write an orderly account so that you might be able to know assuredly the testimonies that have been being told. So again, then we saw that he begins this orderly account with the discussion of the angel Gabriel coming to see Zacharias. And so he tells Zacharias that Elizabeth's going to have a baby, okay? And Zacharias responds to this with doubt, okay? Um, We were going to come back to this at the end today, but we're going to pick this up again. um, Next week I'll be going to Pittsburgh for a funeral, so um, Chuck's going to speak next week, and then two weeks from now we'll come back up with the end part of this message. Um, but in this, what I want to bring though between this week and then that week is the convergence, what we're going to see is this convergence of this reception to the message, okay, and how important this is, because Zacharias has Gabriel appear to him in the temple, right? And and Gabriel gives him this wonderful thing. Your prayers have been heard. You're, you know, Elizabeth's going to give birth. And, 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 and um, whoever he is, Zacharias says what? Well, how do I know this is really going to happen? Give me a sign. And Zacharias says what? Good. You want a sign? You're going to be mute. Angel. Gabriel. Did I say Gabriel. Oh, Zacharias. Angel Gabriel says, you want a sign, here's your sign, you, Zacharias, will be mute. Thank you. Okay, you'll be mute until this baby is born. So he goes out, and now he can't talk. And so there's this testimony to everybody, right? They, they, they saw that he had a vision and all this kind of stuff. Well, then we're told, the next thing that Luke tells us then, is how then the angel came to Mary. That's what we looked at last week. And we see a totally different response than to the angelic message. Now that Gabriel comes to her and he says that uh, you are highly favored, um, that, that the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit's going to come overshadow you. You're going to uh, have the Son of God, the Son of the Highest, be brought within you. And she doesn't ask for a sign. Rather, she responds with what? Wonder and amazement. If I was a, a 13, 14-year-old girl, I'd probably the same way too. You know, how can this be? And so then the angel basically tells her how this is going to be, and she says what? Let it be done to me. Behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be done to me as, as, as he has declared. Right? And so, so two total different responses. And we talked at the end then of last week, this contrast to Zacharias. Okay? And so today, we begin to come into the passage now with the birth of John, um, where these two responses start to converge. They start to meet. Because, again, as we come into this passage, we see that, as we talked last week as well, Mary now, she's going to, from the world's perspective, she's going to be with child 
out of wedlock. Okay? According to the law, we read this from Matthew, but not from Luke, okay? But that from the book of Matthew, we understand that Joseph was of a mind to what? Put her away privately. He could have had her stoned, according to the law, right? She's with child. She doesn't have a father. She's cheated on him, okay? But God sent an angel to him in a dream. Now, we're not specifically told that it was Gabriel, but probably that made consistent, right? And so he has an angel appear to him in a dream, lets Joseph know that, no, indeed, this child is um, the child coming from God, that Mary's not lying, what she's saying is specifically true, and that he needs to be able to do what he's supposed to. So instead of putting her away privately, because he loved her, rather he took her, and he didn't know her until after, you know what that means, right? And so until after... Jesus is born, okay? So, but specifically here in Luke, we're, we're told that she must have immediately left to go to see Elizabeth. She's full of wonder and amazement because, again, Gabriel told her part of this whole thing is that in your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant, right? And so there's this double miracle, double blessing thing going on, and so Mary is full of wonder, and so, and... You know, you can read into things, and I don't want to necessarily read into the negative, but get out of Dodge for a moment, right? <laughs> to, to, you know, because of the, all the conversation that's probably going on. And so she goes to visit Elizabeth. So we're going to pick this up in Luke chapter 1, down in verse 39, okay? It says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So the first thing we see in this convergence um, with the birth of John is the visit of Mary. And this is so exciting. There's so, and that's why I'm cutting this message, because I already knew time-wise. And I already debated this anyway, so it was really kind of good. It was like, that was a testament, like, this is going in two parts. And so, because now I have more time to talk, right? And so, but Mary, amen. Mary, like, I need that. Anyway. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, right? And the first thing that happens when she gets there, right? Elizabeth, Elizabeth hears the sound of Mary, right? She's elated. But not only does she hear the voice of Mary, but a six-month-old six fetus, who according to our wondrous world today, isn't the child, but it's only flesh, it's only a fetus, hears her. He doesn't know her. He's never met her before. Think about this. And yet, he leaps for joy when he hears her voice. Not because he's excited about Mary. Are you tracking? He knows about the zygote, which is probably a little bit bigger than the zygote now, that's inside Mary's womb, a fetus. 
which is only a couple cells. At this moment, even those who believe in life at conception still struggle with, well, when does life begin? It begins at conception. It is a child from the moment it's a zygote. I want you to track with that one. You want to know where the Bible talks about these kind of things? Right here. You got a six-month-old fetus jumping and leaping for joy in his mother's womb at the zygote that's in this other person's womb. And if you looked at Mary, you wouldn't even know that she was pregnant yet. Isn't that exciting? I, I'm, it just, it's thrilling for me. It's a wonder for me. How many of you remember anything that happened while you were in the womb? Yeah, yeah, tell you. Well, you know, I, you know, I was there a long time. <laughs> no, but I wonder. There's times, and this is Bob. You get into some of little Bob's brain here. You know, clearly what John knows, and I wonder if God all allowed us, would we remember certain things that we heard? I think we do more than we realize. Okay, and there's a part of training even your child before they're, they're even born. And so, but it's a wonder for me. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God knit us together in our mother's womb, okay? And so here you got these two unborn children having a worship service together. Isn't this really kind of cool? Yeah? Okay, and so the next thing is, Elizabeth then speaks with joy at the presence of Mary. So again, as we talked about with Gabriel coming to her, note the respect that she gives Mary. Again, this is not the veneration of Mary and the worship of Mary, but the respect of Mary for who she is and what she was willing to do. The mother of my Lord. Okay, now the Roman church refers to her as the mother of God. Improper statement. Improper statement. Mother of Messiah, we can handle. Mother of God, God doesn't have a mother. God is. That's his name. Remember, it's Yahweh. God's name is Yahweh, and Yahweh means the one who exists, the one who is. Isaiah chapter 43 Yahweh declares that before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be any after me. I alone, Isaiah 45, and many places between Isaiah 40 and 48, I alone am God. Beside me there is no other. God is the uncaused cause. He is the beginning of all things. There is no mother of God. However, as we're going to see in a moment, Mary does have the privilege. She does have the honor. We're Again, as we saw with the, the angel Gabriel coming and giving the, the testimony, she does have the privilege of being the vessel that God is going to use to bring forth Messiah onto the earth, the incarnation of God in the flesh from birth. That's a whole new thing. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 18, when you see Abram on the plains, Abraham at this point, because he was just renamed from Abram to Abraham, right? And he's on the plains of Mamre, and he sees three men coming to him, Right, and he gets up and he and he, he greets them and says, "Come by and rest your feet and all this kind of stuff." And he goes and he gets the the the, the um, lamb 
to be cut up and to be cooked for him. And he tells Sarai, Sarah now, she goes from Sarai to Sarah, to, to make the bread, right? And they sit down, and then if you read Genesis 18, it begins with that Yahweh appeared to Abram, Abraham on the plains of Mamre. And then he doesn't know it right off the bat. He sees three men. But during the course of the conversation, he realizes that one of them is Yahweh himself incarnate there. And we read that the other two are actually angels, and those are the angels that go down to Sodom, who are the ones who spare Lot. So, so God has already, Yahweh has already manifested himself in the flesh in, in the Old Testament times. But this is the first time and only time that he's chosen to do it going through the birthing process. Are you tracking? with me on this one? Big deal, okay? And so Mary is the one that he chose to be the vessel to do all these things. Elizabeth gets it. She, at this point, she already understands. She knows that her child is going to be subservient to Mary's child. That's kind of rough as parents sometimes, because you don't want your child to be what? The, the one that's in charge. You want everybody else to bow down to your child. But Elizabeth's already got this thing. Her child is only going to be the forerunner of Mary's child. And she says, blessed are you who comes to me because you are, I mean, what, what right do I have for the mother of my Lord to come to me? How humbling is that? Could you imagine being Mary? Having to struggle with humility all this time? Because think about it. Because you can start lauding yourself on this one. Yeah, you know, yeah, God used me. Didn't happen that way. And her blessing to him. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed is she who believed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. In other words, it has nothing to do with you. God has chosen to bless you. But note on these three things, and, I, and this is important, this, this progression that's going. Blessed are you among women. Mary didn't have a, 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 a reason for this. This is pure grace. Okay? Pure grace. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Well, that makes sense, right? Because God's putting in you the Son of God, and so therefore this is the, the reason why we're saying this. But note the third one. The first one is all God. The second one is a blend. But what's the third one? Blessed is she who what? Believed. And we're going to see this a lot as we see in the ministry of Jesus. And I'm going through the book of Matthew right now in my quiet time. And so I'm just going through some of those miracles and stuff like that. And it's overwhelming over and over and over again that Jesus does the miracles when people believe. If you don't believe, it won't happen. And so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that, um, that oh, 11, 6, faith, um, that without faith it is impossible to please God, for those who come to him must believe that he, is ex that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you do not believe by faith that God is, you'll never be saved. If you do not believe by faith the message that he's given you of his reconciliation, of the remission of sins, you'll never be saved. If you do not believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again from the dead, you'll never be saved. If you do not believe that God loves even you, you will never be saved. Do you understand? I did nothing, Mary, I did nothing to receive the gift of salvation. God did it all. 
All I did was believe. But God says, blessed are you when you believe. Blessed is she who believed. Blessed are you when you believe. Jesus goes through all those beatitudes, right? The blesseds. And he flips the mindsets of the world upside down. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Say again? They will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, they shall be fed. Blessed are when you hunger and thirst of righteousness, for you shall be fed. God wants to bless you. And this is not, this is not health and wealth. This is not name and claim and stuff. This is a fact. But you have to believe. You have to believe it. You have not because you ask not. Who is it that, that hears his son say, give me a fish and you give him a what? A serpent. You say, give me bread and you give him a stone. If you, being evil, know how to give good things to your, your children, how much more so your heavenly father? So she believed. She believed. So the jubilation of John, and that leads into this exaltation of Mary. Because Mary now, she hears all this, okay? And so I want you to think about it. How would you respond when people start uh, pouring praise on you? Here's Mary's response. Begins in verse 46. And Mary said, Yes, I am the most blessed of the Lord. I am so this. I am so that. She doesn't say that, does she? Not at all. Verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her, that is Elizabeth, about three months, and returned to her own house. Why do you think she only stayed there three months? Who did? Elizabeth. Elizabeth, that's exactly right. Because Elizabeth's six months pregnant, right? So she stays three months because Elizabeth's going to give birth, Okay. All right, so that all those things kind of make sense. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week when Elizabeth does give birth, and we have the naming, literally, of the naming of John. Okay, But here we have Mary's exaltation. And I think it's interesting that in it, as she's exalting and magnifying God, in the magnifying of God, there is a recognition of her privilege and honor. Okay, Part of understanding of our praise of God is recognizing the fact of what God has done for us. But Mary recognizes it as a privilege and an honor that she didn't necessarily deserve. She didn't deserve it. That, that Yahweh acknowledged the, the lowly estate of 
the maidservant. Do you understand? So here's the deal. Yeah, that's right. It's all in the heart. Do you really do you think that you deserve salvation? It's something to think about. Okay, You don't need to say yes, no, or whatever to me. But inside your heart, it's a pride moment. God was lucky when he got me. Boy, you know, all these different things that I can do for God and his kingdom. and da, da. Do we think that way sometimes when we think of the idols of this land? Whether it's a politician, whether it's an entertainment person. Boy, it would really be good for that person to be saved. Can you imagine what all they could do for God? We talk like that sometimes, don't we? Like the individual is so important from that perspective. It has nothing to do with the individual. It has everything to do with God. God can choose to use whoever God chooses to use. God chose to use, I'm going to say 14, okay? Again, I'm not saying that she was 14, but for the simple of my conversation, we'll make Mary 14 years old. God chose to use a 14-year-old girl in Nazareth where nothing good comes out of to be the one who would give birth to his son. All God's choice. He could have chosen somebody else and Mary would have gone on with her life. And She was betrothed to Joseph. She would have been married to Joseph and she would have had kids and she would have gone with her life and would never, ever, ever, ever read about Mary. Do you get it? But God can choose to use whoever he wants to choose to use. And it's nothing about you in that. So there's nothing special about Bob. I've said that numerous times, but I really mean that. I, I really, really mean it. There's nothing special about me. I mean, I know who I was when he called me. And I know who I am right now. But it's only by the grace of God that I have the privilege to be able to teach his word and to share his word. You have the same blessing and privilege to serve God in whatever capacity where you're at. And I don't mean to laud myself on this. I really don't. The, if there's anything that to laud is that I said what? Yes. I mean, it's the same thing with Mary. It's, the, the slide's gone. But I said yes. I said, okay, I'll do it. Make sense? Can I just challenge you? As, as Daryl, uh, Eddie, I appreciate you asking the question about the joy of missions. Um, Eddie and I have talked about that different times, so I'm glad he brought it up and asked you the question, Daryl. Because when you say yes, so world's perspective, Daryl, world's perspective. Are you a millionaire? Not at all. I mean, far from it, right? I mean, you're traveling and you're looking, you're looking for the next, you know, hopefully the Lord's providing this week for us to be able to buy food this week type stuff, right? But there's a great peace and confidence because you know what? He's going to. There's not a question whether you're going to have the food. You know he's going to have the food because God said what? I'll provide your needs. And so he sent out the disciples. He says, never worry about it. Don't, don't take a money bag with you. Don't take extra clothes. Don't take extra sandals because I'm going to take care of you. I mean, I remember that way back when, when this church first started. God didn't, he told me, specifically told me, I, I never said I'd give you money. I said I promise to meet your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. God knows I need clothes. My family needs clothes. God knows I need a place to stay. God knows I need food to eat. Is that right? If God doesn't do it, it's against his name. Do you understand? God will honor his name. 
The question is, do you believe that he'll do that? And so I rejoice, Daryl, again, as I said earlier, with people who believe that, who, who are by faith are going to step out and they're going to say, I believe God will do that. I don't have to control my destiny. God will provide for it. And that's what Mary understood. There was nothing special. She, but she did. There's a recognition. She had a privilege. There was an honor. Henceforth, everybody's going to call me what? Blessed. But why? I didn't do anything other than receive. Think about it. She did nothing. Other than to say the, to the angel Gabriel, let it be done unto the maidservant. That's all she did. And the next thing she knows, she's pregnant. And she has a baby growing in her. It's an amazing thing. Her praise of Yahweh then comes for praising him who he is and what he has done. The first thing is about him that she declares. And I think this is amazing. You got, again, a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, whatever. Girl! Not, nothing putting the girls down. But remember, this is a Jewish society. Okay? The boys would have been going to Hebrew school, not the girls. Okay, And so this praise, song of praise, this theological song of praise is coming from a young girl okay, who is exalting in who God is. And the first thing she says about him is, he who is mighty has done great things for me. She recognizes the fact that God is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, and he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. As Gabriel said to her, nothing is impossible with God. And she believed that. That's pretty simple. She believed that God is almighty and that he's able to do these things. Now in that, it says, he was mighty, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Again, the chief attribute of God is probably his holiness. It literally means to be set apart. God is set apart, set apart, set apart. Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And so she understands that he is holy. And so throughout the law, throughout the old covenant, Yahweh is continually saying, I am holy, therefore be you holy. So he's holy. But then she goes on in verse 50 and says, in his mercy is on those who fear him. He is merciful. Now, there are, in, when you read the Old Testament, okay, and then bringing things over here, there are a couple words, two words specifically in the Old Testament that are translated as mercy. There is the word rachum, okay, and rachum, um, racham, is to be compassioned, be compassionate. So the uh, passion, compassion is put on somebody. Mercy, like when you think mercy, mercy. But there's also in the Old Testament the word chesed, which is many times translated as mercy or loving kindness or faithfulness or faithful loving kindness, okay? And it literally, the word chesed is the, uh, Bob's definition of it is the faithful loving kindness of God to the objects of his covenant, okay? Now you can get rid of God, but basically it's the faithful loving kindness of, that someone has toward a covenant that they have made, okay? But many times it's translated as mercy, and I don't know why. Okay, And so that concept comes over into the New Testament here as well. This time, when she talks about it, his mercy is on those who fear him. You go back to the Old Testament, and you're going to see that he's talking about the compassion side, the rachum side, that God is merciful, God is compassionate to those who fear him. 
You turn the belly to God, you submit to God, okay? God's not going to bite your belly. Thinking dogs here, okay? He's not going to go for the jugular. Rather, God honors that. And God has compassion for those who fear him, okay? People always say, you know, the God of the Old Testament is one who demands fear, and the God of the New Testament is one who calls for love. But do you remember, it's Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul, the preacher of grace, is the one who says, therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, therefore knowing the fear of God, I persuade men. So he understands that God is a God of grace, but he also understands that God is the judge who we're going to stand before, and that ultimately that I need to be able to fear God and once I fear God and I know who he is, I understand his love for me, and then I love him in response. Does it make sense? And so Mary says that God is a God of mercy. He's merciful to those who fear him. And then secondly, for what he has done. Well, what has he done? He has shown strength with his arm and has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. How doing that? He's put down the mighty from the thrones and exalted the what? What's it say? The humble, the lowly, yeah. That's exactly what he's done. So in these things, in him scattering the proud and putting down the mighty, his might then, in his holiness, and his mercifulness, he displays these attributes in his activities, right? So he goes on, he has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. God has helped Israel in a mighty way. He has scattered the proud, let me get my clicker going, He's filled the hungry with good things, and he's helped Israel in the remembrance of his, this is where I think, chesed, right? And he goes on because he says, verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. What has God done? He's remembered. He's remembered. Almost 2,000 years, 1,500 to 2,000 years later, from the time that he gave the promise to Abraham, he fulfilled it in Mary. I want you to think about that. About 1,500 years. It's not 2,000 because it would be 2,000 from Noah to that time. But Abraham was still living during the days of, that Noah was on the earth. So, but we'll, we'll go 1,500 years. That's a good approximate time there, okay? 1,500 years from the time that God told Abraham, I want you to go and I want you to go to the land that you show you, and that I will bless all the nations in you. When God made that promise, 1,500 years later, he's fulfilling it in Mary. And Mary gets it. She knows it. So I ask you the question, as I ask myself as I come through, do I really believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do? Even when there's a long delay, and having it fulfilled. 1,500 years is a long time. Make sense? And yet Mary understood it. She got it when it was happening. So let me slide through. Pretend you didn't see this because you're going to see it again in a couple weeks. Write down quick notes. Go ahead. You say, man, I'm glad he stopped. <laughs> Do you honestly trust God to complete the work that he began in you? Yes, but hopefully it's yes. Hopefully we really do believe that God is working. All I have to do is what? Believe. All I have to do is believe. But you know what? Believe in God can sometimes be 
hard, <laughs> the hardest thing we can ever do. Because when trials and tribulations come into your life, Satan immediately, remember when we went through James 1, right? Satan's immediately going to want to, 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 to cause you to, to stumble. God doesn't love you. You're really not his. But God's performing a work that's way above your pay grade. And he's doing it. All you have to do is believe. Are you submitting to that work or resisting it? Again, we didn't get to do the whole thing. Mary was what? Submitting to the work. What about Zacharias from the beginning? He kind of resisted it, right? Just for a while. I imagine after he was mute, <laughs> he started submitting. So again, I ask you, ask you like I said last week, which one are you, right? Are you faithfully proclaiming the message of redemption to those you meet? Mary, again, didn't gloat in herself. That's why I don't go to the back and I don't have people... Um, shake my hand. I don't want to hear people come to me and tell me it was a great message. Bob already struggles with pride. He doesn't need help. Okay? So, I mean, if you, if you feel really led, you want to come tell me. Somebody came up last week and said, man, that was a really great message. And I really appreciate it. That's really cool. I mean, so if somebody really took the time to come up and tell me, that's really kind of cool. But Bob doesn't need help having a big head. Make sense? I admire, if you would, Mary, for this moment. She is something special. But that wasn't her first thought process. Her first thought process was, no, the glory goes to God. I'm nothing. I'm just a simple maidservant that, that he chose to use. I really believe that. But Jekyll Hyde, right? I know there's that part of Bob that really can struggle as well. Does it make sense? So we admit that and we move on, right? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for you. Thank you for your goodness to us. You alone are the most high God. And as Mary overwhelmingly proclaimed, Lord, you are, you are mighty. You are, are, are all-powerful. You are omnipotent. And there is nothing that is impossible for you. But in that as well, Lord, you are holy. And so therefore you are set apart and you will not use your might in an evil or wicked way. But you desire for us to be pure and to be set apart as you are. And you therefore are then compassionate and merciful because you recognize the fact that we are but dust, that we cannot do these things on our own. God, I pray that you bring glory to your own name through us. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, that you've given us to know you by name and that you have declared that you know us by name. But Lord, help us not to be self-deceived. Help us not to be looking to our own righteousness, thinking that it's because of our own selves. And Lord, if there's anyone that's here today, clearly that, that's been in that camp, Lord, that they would be challenged to call upon your name in truth that you would receive the glory in Christ's name. Amen.